Thank you, media team. Thank you guys, everyone, uh, for your birthday wishes and, and your hugs. And um, I officially turned 35 today, and so I am old as dirt. Hey, y'all want to hear something cool? I, uh, we just realized this. I got to have uh, lunch with my, uh, my parents and my sisters and obviously my wife and daughter. And um, my dad, it was, it was funny. Him and I have a great relationship, and he gets nostalgic. And he had mentioned, and, and we were starting to put two and two together, he turned 35 uh, less than two months after I was born, right? So I'm officially the age he was, or just about the age he was, uh, right when I was born. I turned 35 less than two months after my daughter is born, right? So the cool part is today, I'm officially half the age of my father. My father is going to be 70 in two months, so I'm half the age of my father. And so I was thinking when Josie turns 35, she's going to have to take me out to eat, and we're going to have this same conversation. And I just thought, how cool is that, the way God kind of orchestrates things? And, and I'm just like, I can't even imagine my dad, my age. I can't imagine me being my daughter's age. It's just really cool how kind of all that works out. And so um, I, I got to enjoy today. I spent like two hours with Josie sleeping on my chest, and it was the best. I just laid there. I was like, I, gotta, I don't want to do nothing today. Um, and so I'm just so grateful, though, because people are asking, what are you going to do for your birthday? What are you going to do for your birthday? I'm going to do the thing I love more than anything. I'm going to be with my family at home, and I'm going to be with my family at church. And that, honestly, is my greatest joy and my greatest heart. I absolutely love being with you, and I love you. And this is the greatest thing that I could do on my birthday is to be with you guys. And I really want you to hear my heart with that. I really want you guys to understand that this is a place where we want you to feel loved. This is a place where you are loved by God, and we want to help you understand that you can be loved by each other. And so we've been in this series over the last several weeks about uh, fundamental things that, that we prioritize here at Excel, things that we think are important to your spiritual growth and maturity in Christ. And so we started off by talking about the importance of God's word, right? Making sure that every day you're reading the word. You will never know God unless you know his word. And so uh, understanding and reading God's word. And again, I get it. I was that guy. I never wanted to read a book. I hated reading in general. I don't know if you guys are like, some of you are like, I love books. I read all the books. Well, other of us, are, we are not like you. We're not built that way. Cicely reads two and a half books a month, right? And she expensive. She don't do that like you know, on the internet kind of book stuff. She got to have the paper in her hand. So we got like four bookshelves just because of her. Um, and that's cool, right? I was never like that, but we got, I had to read my Bible. And for those of us in this room who are like, but I don't like reading. Well, if you never read anything, then I would believe you. But if we were to add all of your messages and text messages and Snapchats and put all the things that you write to each other, you'd probably read a book a week, right? If you just put it all together and put it in a paperback, you're like, oh, wow, I do read a lot. And then when you read that, you go, and most of it is nonsense, but I read it, right? How often are you just scrolling and reading people's things like dumb, 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 but you're reading it, like you're still reading it. So all I'm saying is read your Bible, right? We talked about the importance of reading your Bible. We talked about the importance of worship, like as we just did last week and, and giving God honor, glory, and praise. We talked about the importance of being generous and making sure that we understand that God gave us a heart of generosity. And tonight, I want to zero in on one more thing. And obviously, there's a lot of things that we prioritize that we want to focus on. But this is another really important one in my eyes, because I want to talk to you about the importance of being a family and of having relationships with each other, right? I've, I've often been saying this in the last year. Um, if those closest to you, right? Think of your inner circle. Think of the people that you run to when it gets crazy, the people that you lean on for advice, the people that you trust with your life, the people that like, you know, when it, when it gets crazy, I'm hitting these people up. And this is what I feel. If the people who are closest to you are not close to God, then neither are you, okay? If the people who are closest to you are not close to God, then neither are you. And if I could put that in a real practical sense, if there's three people by the drum cage and I'm claiming to be in my office, right, I can't be with those three people and be in my office because those three people are not in my office. They're by the drum cage, right? The only way that that statement can be true, that I'm standing with those three people, is either I'm standing by the cage or they're in the office with me. So if God's here, I want to be where God is. 
And when I'm where with God is, I'm going to be around other people that are where God is. And if I'm not surrounded by other godly people, then chances are maybe I'm not as godly as I think I am. Now, don't get confused. This doesn't mean that you can't associate with people who aren't Christians. That doesn't mean that you can't have friends that are unbelievers. Absolutely, right? We're called to be a light in this world, and, and we're not called to be in this Christian bubble where we close ourselves off and, and we all dress the same and look weird, and that's a cult, okay? If you ever do that, if anybody ever convinces you to do that, you're in a cult, and you're going to worship goats, and it's going to be really weird. So don't do that. But I'm talking about the ones closest to you, right? We all have acquaintances, right? We all have people, oh, I go to school with that person. What's their name? I don't know. I just go to school with them, right? We all have people like that. We are, like even today, low-key, I, I got hundreds of, of, of messages all over of people giving me happy birthday. On more than a few occasions, I had to do a deep Facebook check to find out who is this person. Oh, happy birthday, man. I love you. And I'm like, who? Uh, I hate when people don't put their profile picture as their actual picture. So I'm like digging through the fourth file of their pictures. Like, oh, still don't know who that is. But thank you. Appreciate it, right? Because that's just how it is. There's people that you just know loosely. But then there are certain people that you keep close to your heart. And this is why we try to cultivate that here. Because honestly and transparently, a lot of times we come to church because either we have to or we want to. But we like hearing the word. We like the music. But we don't take the time to get to know each other. This is why we prioritize small groups so much is because we want you to have time to get to know each other, to build relationships with each other. You will not last in this Christian walk alone. There was a, a study done a while back. Uh, they called it Rat Park or, or Mouse Park. And it was an experimental study on drug addiction. And what they did is... Um, they, they put a bunch of mice in this, like, really fantastical world with, like, little Ferris wheels and all the drink they needed. And, and it was really cool. It was this really cool environment, like a big park that they made for mice. And they put a bunch of them in there. And then they had a real crappy area. They put a bunch of them in there. And here's the difference that they did. At one point in the park, they only had one mouse. And at another point in the crappy area, they had a bunch of them. And they find that addiction didn't have much to do with the environment. It had to do with their sociability and who they were around. So the isolated park in the really nice place became more addicted to drugs than the ones that were all together. Because we all yearn to be sociable. We all yearn for relationship. When we isolate ourselves, when we close ourselves off from the people to God... The Bible tells us that the devil roams around like a lion looking for someone to devour. Anybody like nature shows? Anybody ever just watch like nature programs? Just me and me. All right. Okay. So if you watch nature shows, you know why y'all don't watch it? Because you got too many TV options. When I was a kid, it's just like, oh, that's what's on TV now. And so I used to love watching nature programs. And when you watch, they say the most powerful thing in the jungle is a herd of animals, right? We, we watched The Lion King. Well, what took out the king? A pack of animals, okay? They said that the most susceptible animal is the one that drifts away from the pack. When the lion is hunting and he sees a pack of animals, he sees a pack of zebra, he sees a, a pack of wildebeest, he's not going to attack the pack because he knows if I go after one, the other ones are going to kick me, the other ones are going to fight me. It's just too much trouble. I'm going to wait for the one animal that drifts away from the pack that isolates themselves. And the second that animal gets away from the pack, they become the target of the lion's hunt. Well, in the same way, the enemy is just waiting for you to pull away from the community of God. They're waiting for you to be isolated. They're waiting for you to be on your own because it's so much easier to attack you when it's just you, right? That's why girls go to the bathroom together, or so I assume I never understood that. You know, I guess you just pass toilet paper when you need to, and it's kind of like this bonding thing. Right? I'm just like, Gio, you and I are just going to start going to the bathroom together. You're going to be my wingman. Like, you know, if I need support, push through something, you're going to help me out. But right, this is why we do these things in packs. And so I want to talk to you tonight about the importance of, of, of being there for each other and what that does for one another. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to look at two verses, verse 24 through 25. And I want you to see what your responsibility is to each other in this room. And understand that you do have a responsibility to each other. You are your brother's keeper in this room. 
You are called to be there for one another. And some of us may be like, well, I don't need more friends. Well, maybe somebody else needs to be your friend. Maybe they need you to be their friend. Maybe it's not always about what you need. Maybe somebody needs you. And so I want you to see in these verses what God is trying to help us understand tonight. And so we're going to start with verse 24. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Now pause that for a moment. Think, think about this sentence. It's not just saying, hey, go love people and do good works. Right? It's not just telling you to do it automatically. What is it saying? This is something that you have to think about. Thinking about it has to do with intentionality. You have to be intentional about doing stuff like that. You have to be intentional about motivating somebody. You have to be intentional about thinking of ways to love someone and to care for them and, and to be there for them. Okay? Like today, I got hundreds of messages for my birthday. Well, you don't have to think that hard, right? You get Facebook notifications. You see other people post up. And this is what you do. Oh, it's P. Joy's birthday. da 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 Bam. I mean, Facebook look, makes it really easy. You just, like, click a button and this whole, like, production comes up and it looks like you put in a lot of effort. And it, it's nice. It's cool. But you know what's cooler? When it's not your birthday and somebody just sends you this super cool, timely message of just saying, hey, you know what? I, don't, I just, I just been in my heart and I just want you to know how much I love you and how much I appreciate you. And um, I just want you to know that you're cared for. And it's funny, when you get those messages, they're always like, yeah, thanks, buddy. And in your heart, you're like, oh, my God, I really needed that. Oh, my God, I needed that so bad right now, right? And so that is one of those things where it's like I, I try for myself to go, hey, let me, let me think of, of a way to do this. Let me think of a way to love my wife. Let me think of a way to encourage a student. Let me think of a way. Uh, and listen, the more you think about it, the more creative you can be, the more powerful it becomes, now, I'm not saying you got to, like, rent a plane and sky right in the sky. Happy birthday, P-Joy. That'd be dope. I'm not saying you don't have to do that. I'm just saying that's not necessary, right? But when you take time, like, if, if your only time that you show appreciation to your mom is on Mother's Day, that doesn't take much work, right? But if, if randomly tomorrow morning you just made your mom breakfast before you went to work and left her a little note and said, hey, listen, I made you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because you, you, you failed at teaching me to cook. But I, I made you a PB&J. Uh, I don't need anything. I just want you to know I love you. Oh, my, could you realize how, how much that would, I mean, you, you, you'd probably be at school already and your mom's like in the kitchen table like, oh, my God, oh, my God. I did it. She said, I did it, right? It's just powerful. Why? Because you took the time to think of ways. And now here's the other part, not just thinking, but I love that it says to motivate one another. Well, what does that mean? That means sometimes we need motivation, right? Sometimes you need somebody to go, come on, man, let's do this. I don't know, bro. I said, come on, bro, you got that. Right? You can, we can. No, listen, buddy of mine, he sent out Facebook messages the other day, and he tagged a bunch of us from high school, and he goes, my 15-year-old son wants to play football, his buddies against our old crew. What do you guys say? And I responded with one of those gifs where the lady's like, I'm 84 years old. <laughs> and then another guy voted with a gif. He's like, my heart's saying yes, but my body's telling me no. <laughs> like, like, we were just like, dude, we're old. And, he's, and the whole thread, he's like, come on, guys, we can do it. We got this. And I'm like, I ain't got much left, bro. <laughs> but what is he? He's trying to motivate us. Because ain't none of us trying to get up and go do anything like this. Like, I got kids now. I ain't trying to do none of that stuff. But every now and then, we got to motivate each other. And in order to do that, you got to think of ways to do it. Now, what does that mean within the context? Hey, listen, sometimes you don't feel like coming to youth group. It's just true, right? Like sometimes you don't feel like coming to church. You've had a long day at school. Some of you have been up since 5 in the morning. You, you got homework. You got all this. You don't feel like it. But I'll tell you, when I first started coming to Excel as a student, I came every week. I was bringing literally busloads of kids, right? I was bringing 15, 20 friends, like, I was doing it, and I was consistent. One time in my years at Excel as a student did I miss, and it's because I had a really big Spanish project that I didn't finish and that I had to finish for a grade. It was this whole big thing. And we didn't have cell phones at that time anyway, so I just didn't show up, didn't tell anybody. People blew up my house phone that night because they honestly thought something happened to me, that I got, like, hit by a car or something. So, and I'm not talking about leaders. No leaders knew my number. Students, other peers were calling me going, hey, are you okay? 
And I'm like, am I not supposed to be? What happened? They're like, you weren't at church. You're always at church. And can I tell you something? It felt so cool to know that, wow, you noticed I wasn't there? And like, yeah, you brought us. <laughs> like, like, we would notice those things. How cool would it be if instead of waiting for the leader to text you, hey, we haven't seen you around in a while. How are you? Da-da-da. How cool would it be if that text came from, from Bella? Hey, I noticed you haven't been here. Seat next to me is empty. You know, miss you. See you next week. Uh, I got a lot of homework. You and I both know that's crap. You can do it. There's tutors. We'll help you. Right? It's so much more powerful when it comes from you than it comes from us. And sometimes we just need a little motivation. And listen, I've never been motivated to do something for God where after I did it, I didn't feel glad that I did it. Right? We've all been there. We're like, I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like I, I don't know. And then you go, right? Oh, I, don't, I don't know if I want to go to breakaway this year. You go every year. I know, but I just don't know this year. And then, and then after break, oh, it's the greatest weekend of my life. God transformed everything. This, I'm never going back. This is so amazing. You just need a little motivation to go. And then after you realize, I don't know why I even hesitated. Right? So when you look at that verse, the next one, it says, let us look at ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Right? What is it saying? Some people neglect meeting together. Can I tell you something? If everybody who comes to Excel came on the same day, we wouldn't fit in the room. It's like sometimes you guys take turns. It's like, oh, I got this Thursday. You get next Thursday. Okay, yeah, no. We got, we got weird visitation things. Like, we're going to rotate. We're, oh, no, we came on the same day. Ha, <laughs> ha, it's so funny. Like, sometimes it's weird like that. Like, if everybody just showed up on the same day, it'd be great. But some of us get in the habit of not coming. And can I tell you something? It only takes, and you know, one Excel. You miss one night, and it gets so much easier to miss the second night. And then the third night. And then next thing you know, you graduated college, and you're like, wow, I never went back. <laughs> like, right? It's just one of those things. And so we need to take time to do that. So I want to break down that verse, those verses real quick. So if you're taking notes, if you're going to write notes, number one is this. We need to make sure that we motivate one another. Okay? I'm going to go back to just understanding that. Because the truth is some days we don't feel like it. Now, some days it's tiredness. Sometimes it's a mental health day. Sometimes, though, it's spiritual. Sometimes it's just the enemy whispering in your ear, why are you going? You're still the same. Nothing's changing in you. It's not even making a difference. Nobody cares. Nobody likes you there. Nobody talks to you. Like, it's all these things that the enemy tries to whisper in your ear to convince you to stay. Right? Sometimes you don't feel like being good. You don't feel like going to church. You don't feel like doing your homework. You don't feel like listening to your parents. Like, honestly, there are times, it's not even like, it's something wrong. Honestly, I just don't feel like it. <laughs> like, are you being bullied? Are you hurt? No, no, no. Just flat out lazy. Just, just don't feel like it. Now, you don't give them that even good of an answer. It's like, is everything all right? <laughs> well, what do you need? I don't know. Are you hurt? I don't know. <laughs> do you need to talk? I don't know. No. <laughs> Like, right? And you don't even make eye contact. Just, oh, 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 just leave me alone. <laughs> and your parents are like, I want to love you. And you're just like, man, just get away from me. I hate you. <laughs> sometimes it's just, it, sometimes it be like that. Sometimes, let's be honest. Sometimes it be like that, right? You just don't feel like doing it. We all go through those seasons. That's all right that you go through it. Where we don't feel like getting up. Y'all ever been so lazy you just watched what you were watching because you didn't want to get up and get the control? You know what I'm talking about? Like extra lazy. And you're just like, I don't even know what I'm watching. But, yeah. Like, 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 especially if you're watching YouTube, you're like on the 17th version or something. You're like, I don't even know what I'm seeing anymore. Like, the algorithm is all jacked up on YouTube. But I just don't feel like getting up. Right, there's just seasons of that. <laughs> Can I get real lazy on you? You ever, you ever, like, even thought about, like, man, I don't even know if I should get up to pee or not? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you're that level of comfortable, you're like, oh, my gosh, I got to pee, but I don't want to get up. And you try to see how long you can stay in bed before you pee your bed. 
<laughs> She's like, uh, all right, I got to go right now. <laughs> Listen, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13 says, but exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that no one you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I'm sorry, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Keep that up there for me. Listen, we need to, that word exhort is encourage, is motivate. We need to motivate one another. How often? Every day. Well, what are we motivating each other to do? So that none of us are hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Right? What is that talking about? Well, I mentioned it earlier. One week easily becomes two weeks, easily becomes three weeks. When you're not properly motivated to continue to pursue your walk with God, it gets really easy to drift away from him. And the further you drift away, the harder your heart gets and the harder it is to go back. You convince yourself of things too. You're like, oh, I'm not going to know anybody anymore. Everything's different. Da, da, da. That's true. Go anyways. Right? Like right about now, gyms across the United States are getting a lot of money from people that have stopped going to their gyms. People that signed up in December we're really excited about it in January. Some of the leaders are like, oh, man. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. We, people that, like, got together. Oh, we're going to go to the same gym. We're going to go. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. We'll go Monday, Tuesday. We'll take leg days on Wednesday. We got all these plans. It's going to be great. And then what happens? You miss that one day. Right? It's like, oh, I got a lot of work today. I got tired. Oh, my God. Then you miss the second day. Then you miss the third day. And one day you look in the mirror and you look like me and you're like, Dang. That, that, that did not go as we planned. The gym did not happen like we thought it was. Why? Because you need to be motivated every day. Right? Every day. Georgie. Georgie's a, a, a fighter. He works out. Can you skip a day? Yeah, you Literally, your job. You can't afford to skip a day. Like, you skip a day, your career's over. Right? He got to go to the gym every day. That's why Georgie don't look like me. He don't have the swag that I have. Right? Because he's got to spend all that swag working out. Right? There are times if you want to be an athlete, you understand, I got to be in the gym. Right? If you want to be a professional in whatever you do, you got to understand, I got to be in that place. Well, it's no different. Like, if you want to be a doctor, you got to be in the room studying. If you want to be a, a professional athlete, you got to be in the gym working out. Well, if you want to be a Christian, you got to be in God's house. You got to be in God's word. You got to be properly motivated to do it because some days I don't feel like it. Hey, listen, some days I don't feel like reading my Bible. I just don't. Some days I'm like, you know, if I read, then I'm going to read this chapter, and then I'm going to want to read that. I'm just not going to do it. And some days I skip. And what I realize is when I do, the next day is harder. And the next day is harder. And the next day is harder. So what do we have to do? We have to exhort one another every day. And I love that it says one another. It doesn't say exhort yourself. It doesn't say, hey, motivate yourself. Stand in the mirror and go, you can do it, buddy. We're not going to motivate it. We do the opposite. We unmotivate ourselves. We come up with all the reasons why not and all the Oh, I don't even understand the Bible. I don't even know who Jehoshaphat was. Who cares who he was? He's fat. Like, we don't understand all the things. And so we, we struggle to get in there. But that's why it says, no, we got to motivate each other because there may be a day where Primo doesn't feel like it, but I'm going to be like, yeah, you got this, bro. And then there's a day where I don't feel like it, and then Primo comes at me, and he motivates me. And when you have this reciprocation, when you have this ability to help each other out and to push each other, that's when we all keep going along and moving forward. And I love that it says, motivate each other as long as it's called today. Isn't it funny how, as long as it's called today. Have you ever lived in a day that wasn't today? You have never lived in it. You've never lived in yesterday and you've never lived in tomorrow. Every day you're breathing, it's today. So what is he saying? There should never be a time where you're not motivating each other. There should never be a time where you're not pushing each other. And please, do not put this responsibility on your leadership. Don't expect the leaders to be the ones that are supposed to call each other, supposed to help each other, supposed to motivate each other. I love when leaders go to your basketball games. I love it more when you guys go to each other's things. 
when you go to each other's plays and when you go to each other's games and, and when you're there at each other's uh, celebrations and birthday parties and you're there motivating each other because you understand if I'm not your inner circle, then somebody else might be who's not godly and I have a responsibility to spur you on. And honestly, I need people to spur me on. I have a circle of pastor friends that I frequently hit up, and, I, and just recently I, I, just, I texted them all asking for prayer. and Say, hey, listen, nothing's going on, but um, there's just stuff that I might see on the horizon, and I want you guys to just pray for me and intercede for me. I asked men that I knew, not just because they had the title of pastor, but I knew they were men of prayer. These are guys that I trust with my heart and my spirit, and I go, guys, just be on my, on my prayer. And guess what? In the next few days, they're sending me things that God was speaking to them. They're texting me, hey, listen, I just want to encourage you. This is what I feel the Lord has been saying. Well, why was the Lord speaking to them? Because they were speaking to him. Right? And that's why we have to make sure as long as it's today, we have to motivate each other so that our hearts don't get hardened. Again, exhort means to try to influence someone by word or action to strongly motivate them to do something to love, to good works. And listen, we got to be careful because sometimes we exhort people to do bad things, right? I was the best at that. I was a nice instigator. Like, I'm like man, you going to let him look at you like that? You better punch him in the ear. Like, do something, bro. Like, because I, I, liked, I liked watching. Like, you thought it was fun. One time I actually pushed the guy into the fight. I was like, go hit him. <laughs> I just kind of pushed him. I was like, this will be interesting, right? Sometimes we motivate each other like, hey, Push that red button. It clearly says don't push it. That's what makes it so amazing. Push it, right? Like sometimes we motivate each other to do bad things. But God is saying, listen, as long as it's today, motivate each other to love, to good works, to being in your devotionals, to do all the things we've been talking about over the last several weeks. First Peter chapter 4, verse 8 through 10 says, above everything, love one another earnestly. Because love covers over many sins. Open your homes to each other without complaining. Each one, as a good manager of God's different gifts, must use um, for the good for others the special gift that he's received from God. What is he saying? Listen, have relationships with each other. Hang out with each other. Don't be compelled, like, don't do it because I'm making you do it. But have relationships with people. Open up your homes. You're like, well, my mom don't like me going underwear. Well, have them go to your house. Right, like do something, like get with a leader, partner with somebody else, go ice skating with each other. Don't wait for Pastor Joy to have to put a whole thing on. Like that's usually what we wait for. Like, oh, I'll make friends at Momentum where I have to be locked in a hotel room with these girls. No, dude, go, go get your own birthday hotel room with your family. Go to a water park, do whatever you got to do. Like, you know, sit in your backyard. I don't know what kids do nowadays, I'm old. But do stuff that's going to properly motivate each other. And then the second part says, don't neglect our meeting together. It's not uncommon, like I said, for you to skip one day. And again, one day comes to two days. It's easier to maintain momentum when you're consistent. Listen, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 10 says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person fails, the other can reach out and help. But someone who fails alone is in real trouble. Verse in Hebrew goes on to say that as some of you are in the habit of doing, when you isolate yourself from other believers, you leave yourself open to attack. You become that one animal that strayed away from the pack. You're asking the enemy to come and get at you. One of the saddest things is a person who's isolated. If you think about it in the, in the penal system and in the courts, the worst thing they can do to a prisoner, the worst thing that they can do to a prisoner is isolate them. Solitary confinement is the absolute worst thing that they can do. Actually, Alcatraz, that really famous prison on the island of San Francisco, eventually was shut down because they literally forgot about a guy that they put in isolation. They had a mandate that you were only supposed to be there for, I think it was 40 days. They left them there for three years. They took him out one hour once a year. When they took him out, he had gone, it's kind of a crazy story if you read the story. He had gone to jail because he stole um, $5 from a register because his sister and him who were orphans needed food. He didn't realize that that register in that store was also the post office. So it was a federal crime to steal from it. 
and Alcatraz was a big prison. They needed to fill it until he went in. And he got convinced because he was kind of a follower by some other guys to try to break out. They got caught. That's what got him in the hole. He was put in the hole for three years and forgotten. When he got out, within less than a day, he went and found the guy that snitched that got them in trouble. And he jammed a spoon in his throat and killed him. Like, he went in just a regular kid and was isolated for three years and became a murderer. Isolation is the worst thing anybody can do to you. But the worse, worse than that, isolation is the worst thing you could do to yourself. To close yourself off. To, 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 and sometimes we do it because we think we're protecting ourselves. But can I tell you, you're hurting yourself when you close yourself off. And can, you know what I found out when I was in high school? That it's very easy to isolate yourself among 100 people. Some of you are here tonight. You're in this room, but you're still isolated. You don't talk to anybody. You don't have a relationship with anyone here. You don't trust anyone. And I get it. Sometimes trust is hard. Maybe people in this room have burned you. But you can't afford to isolate yourself. When we close ourselves off, it's the worst thing you can do for your spiritual sanity. And don't be surprised if after you've released it, you're not who you thought you were anymore. That's why we got to go back, if you're taking notes number three, to make sure that we encourage one another. When I was a, a sophomore in high school, um, we had, like, just all gotten our license, and we all decided, like, basically the sophomore class, I think it was 70 of us, we decided to all go to Great America the same day. And so we all had, like, our annual pass, and a few of us had gotten our license, so we all had cars to go. This is, like, the first time that we're all going without, like, our mom and dad, you know. And so this is, like, really exciting. So we all go. So I'm like, yo, I got to be in it, right? I got to go. But at the time, I had a very bad fear of heights, and I did not like roller coasters, right? So it's kind of like, like you have a fear of snakes, and everyone's going to the zoo to see the snake exhibit, like, and you're like, yeah, like, so, so I went because I want to be on the hype train, and I, I wanted to go with everybody, but I was terrified of roller coasters, so I remember we're all there, and my, some of my friends found out that I didn't like roller coasters, and they're like, no, we got you, da, da, da. so again, I, I was in peer pressure, and so we're like, come on, we're going to get on the first roller coaster, this is an easy roller coaster, Joy, you're going to be fine, like, we can do this, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, this will be fine, like, my voice is cracking, like, I'm, I'm super nervous, I'm sweating up. And um, we get in the line, and we're, we're getting ready to get on the roller coaster. And I get on the roller coaster with one of my buddies, and, I, and I'm, I'm crapping my pants. Like, I am so afraid right now. I'm sweating. My heart's beating. I have asthma, so I was, like, coughing. I was like, <laughs> like, I was really freaking out. I thought I was going to die before the roller coaster started moving. But I look on the roller coaster. The entire train are all my friends. All of them. And then you know how you got that side of the people waiting? They're all looking at you like super nervous, and you're looking at them super nervous, and it's a weird, you know what I'm talking about? And I look on the side, and the people all there were all my friends, because it was 70 of us. So all around me were my friends. And everyone knew I was scared. Even if I didn't tell them, they could tell looking at me. And so everybody's sitting there, Joey, Joey, Joey. And I'm like, me, me, me. <laughs> and the roller coaster went off. And I fell in love with roller coasters. It was so much fun. I was like, this is amazing. Let's go on all of them. And everyone's like, yeah. And we went and we hit every roller coaster. And it was amazing. It became this great addiction. And it was all because people motivated me to do something that I was scared to do, that they knew I could do, that they knew I would love doing. But I just needed a little bit of encouragement to get on the ride. Sometimes. You just need a little bit of encouragement. You just need somebody to tell you you can do it. You need somebody to say, come on, you got this. Don't worry about it. Don't be afraid. We're going to help you. We're going to be there. You need people to watch you while you're doing it. To move forward in what God has called you to do. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14 says, Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. And be patient with everyone. I think that's kind of bogus, right? Urge those who are lazy. You know, I could say this because I feel like he's family. Uh, I've known Kevin since he was, like, before old enough to come to Excel. I have never met a, a person who likes sleep more than Kevin in my life. 
Kevin, if you just look at him, looks like the laziest person on earth by the amount of sleep that he likes to get. Am I wrong, Kev? Like, we're family, bro. You, that boy loves him some sleep, right? And there are times where I'm like, Kevin, come on, wake up, bro. Like, do this, do that. And there are so many times I know he didn't come to Excel because he was sleeping. Like, it wasn't even like he was in sin. He was in his bed. Like, it was just sleep. And, and Kevin and I had a talk, was it two weeks ago after service, where, where he felt like God was encouraging him to do something and be active in, in ministry. And, and I'm like, well, what do you feel like God wants you to do? And he goes, man, I just really feel like I've, I've been having a heart for people on the street. And I just don't know what to do about that. And I go, you know what? Our church has a homeless outreach ministry that's going to be going out this Saturday. Why don't you go? Now, honestly, when I'm telling him that, I'm kind of nervous because I know the homeless ministry leaves at 6 in the morning. Right? And in my head, I'm like, I'm trying to sell him on it before I tell him what time. I'm like, oh, this man, you're doing great things. You're praying again. It's at 6 in the morning. Right? And I'm like. Kevin, I really want you to go, bro. If you feel like this, call me, let me know. And can I tell you how, I'm going to tell you, Kevin, you know how amazingly proud and happy and excited I was when on Saturday at like 5.45 in the morning, you messaged me, hey, I'm on my way. And I was, I literally in bed, I go, yes, Kevin. I was so pumped. I was so excited. I was so tired because my daughter didn't let me sleep that night. That's why I was up at 5.45 in the morning. But I'm like, that's my boy. It took 17 years, but that's my boy. <laughs> and I was so excited to talk to him on Sunday. How'd it go? What'd you think? How was it? And then to hear him say, I want to do it again. I want to get on the roller coaster again. I'm like, yeah. What did it take? It took somebody to encourage him to not be lazy. All right? And I'm, trying, I'm not trying to insult him. He knows I'm not trying to insult him. But listen, sometimes that's all it takes to spark vision, to, to spark an encouragement, to say, hey, why don't you do this? It reminds me of uh, Raina a few years ago when, when we were having a conversation about what she's going to do with her life and, and what she's going to do with her career. And Raina had like a list of like 17 different options. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think you're going to do any of those things. <laughs> Yeah, I really want to do this. I'm like, uh-huh, that's uh, okay. Pray about it. <laughs> and I remember I just kept seeing the heart that she had for children with disabilities. And I knew about a camp that the uh, state of Illinois runs. It's like summer camp, but it's just for people with disabilities of all ages. And I said, Raina, you should, you should go to that camp. And I remember she was like, yeah, that sounds great. And then she went, again, motivated up until when she got there. Because she was just supposed to observe her first year, but they made her a counselor of a room with two women that were, what, 40s, 50s, who, full disabilities, that first night she had to change the diapers of 40 and 50-year-old women who had a lot of cognitive issues and struggles. She called me up crying, freaking out, like, like, like a kid who calls up mom, I can't, I want to go home. And I remember, I was like, Raina, you got this. Raina, don't worry about it. God's going to help you. You got this. And then the next day I get a call from Raina. I know what I want to do with my life. And now she's a teacher's aide and she's going to continue her education. We have, we're on a, another encouraging time to go in, and, and work with children of special needs. She found her gift and her calling because she was motivated. Now I know it's like, oh, P. Joe is such a great motivator. One day somebody sat with me. And said, do you want to be a pastor? Now, I flirted with it for years. But I was always terrified of, of doing ministry. And they sat me down and said, I need to know right now if I'm wasting my time teaching you or not. Is this what you want to do with your life? And my lips spoke before anything else. And I, yes, and my body's like, what are you doing? Oh, my God, don't say yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to do. Now, in that moment, that conversation, I thought, okay, I got about six years to get ready. Two months later, I became the pastor. <laughs> Freaked me out. But what did I need? I needed somebody to believe in me. And I needed somebody to encourage me. I needed somebody to tell me, yeah, you're not going to be good at this, but God's going to help you. Yeah, I'm not going to be like, yeah, you got this. You, I'm like, no, I don't, think, I don't think you can do it really. But, but if God's called you, I know you will do it. We just need people to encourage one another. To help us to not be lazy. The crazy thing is when you encourage someone, it encourages you. 
When you encourage someone, you get encouraged. Notice how Paul describes it when he writes to his friend. Romans chapter 1, verse 10 through 12. One of the things I always pray for is the opportunity, God willing, to come at last to see you. For I long to visit you so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but also I want to be encouraged by yours. I want to encourage you in your faith, but man, I'll be honest with you, I want to be encouraged by yours. I want to be with you. When you look at Paul's letters over and over again, you got to understand he's writing a letter to the church. These are churches he established. This would be like if I started Excel, raised it up, and then went somewhere else to start another youth ministry. I would miss you. I would love you. I would want to make sure you're okay. And I would write letters to you at the time. I would text now. So he's writing this letter to this church in Rome, and he's saying, man, I just want to be with you. I want to encourage you, but honestly, I want to be encouraged by you. I want to be encouraged by your faith. That's part of my favorite aspect of being a pastor is encouraging people in some of their hardest times because I know if you can get past this, if you can move forward, if you can be faithful, if you can be obedient, if you can trust God more than you trust your fears, if you can do that, it's going to be such a blessing to me too. And I've said this to you a number of times. There's often when you're worshiping, that I just stand back and take inventory. And I just look at you guys and I replay your stories in my head. And I go, man, they, I know they're not where they want to be. But wow, look at how far they've come. I was just talking to this with, I think it was Haley. I was in the car and I was talking about how I was thinking about Jonathan and Deanna. And we were talking about just how old I am and how I'm old. And, and she's like, how does it feel like... When, you know, these are like adults who are married and you knew them when they were junior hires. And I was like, it feels old. feels awkward. <laughs> but I remember thinking about all his horrible hairstyles and uh, thinking about all her fun little bouts of everything. And, and I was just so encouraged by what God has done and is doing in their lives. I never thought when I first met Jonathan with his emo haircut and goofy style that one day he'd be working in the office next door to me and we'd be sitting there collaborating on a vision of what God's doing in our church and I'm so encouraged because I stop and I go man I want to see you why because I want to be encouraged by you but you don't get to experience that when you're not a part of the story when you're not part of the conversation when you're not in relationship with people you don't realize all the things that God is doing because you don't know them. You're not watching. You're not listening. You're not a part of somebody's life story. You got to be in it to win with it, to hear it. Worship team, if you can help me out. You have to be willing to do this, especially now, because time is too short. Time is too short. I mentioned the story of, of being at Great America. I was 15, 16 years old. You know what the crazy thing is? Right after that, literally right, like a few weeks after that Great America trip, I came to Excel for the first time. And I met Jesus Christ in a real and powerful way. And he became my best friend. And it became my greatest relationship. But a couple years later, I found myself hanging out after school with some of the same friends that I was at Great America with. But this time I felt different. I didn't want to do the same things they were doing anymore. I wanted to do what Jesus wanted me to do. And because I was trying to hold on to both, I was feeling really alone. And I remember I was sitting on a curb. We were all hanging out outside of 7-Eleven and I was sitting on a curb, and everyone's laughing and jumping and telling jokes and hanging out. Everyone's just doing their thing, and we're all just in a big crowd. And I'm sitting there with a, a cross that I had around my neck, and I was just twirling the cross. And I just felt like I was at a crossroads. And, and like God was telling me, who do you want to be closer to, me or them? And I'm like, but they're my friends, and some of these guys I've known since the neighborhood, and we grew up together, and... You know, 
I don't want to leave them. I, you know, I felt a sense of loyalty to them. But then again, God was saying, but I'm loyal to you. I want a relationship with you. I want to be the one that you feel this loyalty to. And I felt the Lord begin to ask me, who are you going to choose, Joey? And you know, one of the hardest things of leaving your secular friends and your friends from the world is not just leaving them, but it's feel left alone because you don't replace them with other friends. And so I remember thinking, well, when I was coming to Excel, there was a lot of people here, but they didn't really like me too much. Not the kids who grew up in church because they all kind of knew each other and they thought I was kind of thuggy and weird and they were kind of like snooty at me. And I remember saying, God, I, I'm willing to choose you, but I need friends. I had to choose between my friendship with God and my friendship with the world. And I obviously I chose my friendship with God, but I needed other friendships. I didn't want to be alone. I didn't want to be by myself. But you know what? Your heavenly father knows what you need. God knows the people that you need in your life. And you know what's even crazier about this? Not only did God bring fresh, new, amazing relationships into my life, but he brought some of my friends into relationships with him. And I told you I had rows of people that sat with me. These were friends of mine that came from school, that I preached to, that I loved on, that I ministered to that I would stand on top of the table at McDonald's and preach the sermon that my pastor preached the night before, that I would sit there and, and convince guys of getting out of gangs and help them to process and leave those things and come to church. And, and, I, and I gained a lot of my friends back because they gained relationships with the Lord. Many of those friends who I'm still friends with now who play with their kids, I hang out with them. and it's so cool. It's not that I abandoned my friends. They can still be my friends, but God's still my priority. And so I want to surround myself with people that want to be surrounded by him. And listen, you get this. When things matter to you, when you have a boyfriend or girlfriend and your friends don't like them, you're like, I don't like you then. Get out of my face. You're not my friend anymore. Y'all know, right? You ever been ditched by a friend because they got into a relationship? And they just suddenly are like, and you're like, I just don't think they're good for you. It's like, I don't think your teeth are good for your face. And you're like, Dang attacked, like, chill, I'm just like, whatever, you're just jealous. It's like, no, I'm not, I hate you. whatever. Listen, I'm, well, all they did was they chose that person over you. I'm just saying choose God over anything else. And understand that you won't be alone because you'll be surrounded by people who chose God over everything else. When you make that choice, it changes everything. So here's how we're going to close. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm not asking you to make a choice right now and we're going to come up, we're going to pray. And I'm not going to do all that right now. Here's, here's what I want to do. Because it sounds bogus to say, hey, I want you to abandon your friends. I don't want you to abandon your friends. I want you to choose God and I want you to give your friends an opportunity to choose God. So I'm going to do something a little weird. And I'm going to ask you for a birthday present. Because I'm 35 and I'm bold enough to do stuff like that now. So if you and I have a relationship at all, if you feel any type of way towards me, hopefully good, and if you really do love me and consider me your pastor, I'm going to ask you for a birthday present. And here's what I want. I want you to do everything you can to bring another teenager to Excel next week. That's it. And I'm going to pray, and I'm going to seek God, and I'm going to ask him to give me a word. And I'm going to preach an entire message that's directed towards salvation and towards giving your friends an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And I'm not telling you you got to bring five or ten people. As a matter of fact, if I can be honest, it's almost better if you don't bring your whole crew. Because what I found in the past is when you bring the whole crew then they kind of are looking at each other and they're, they're, they may want to say yes to Jesus, but they're not trying to be embarrassed in front of everyone else. And it gets weird because it's like, yeah, no. Nah. But when it's one and they're standing next to you who's encouraging them to be here and the word of the Lord reaches their heart and the Holy Spirit begins to talk to them and begins to call them home, it will be the greatest thing ever. 
my best friend on my birthday asked me, what do you want for your birthday? And after 10 years of asking him to come to church with me, I said, come to church. And for the first time after 10 years, he said yes. And on my birthday, he gave his life to the Lord. And it was the greatest gift I had ever gotten. And just before I walked in here, he messaged me, happy birthday, brother. How does it feel to have your first one as a dad? And I'm just like, I'm old. <laughs> Can I tell you? And I've said this before, but I always love to say it. That man, since the day he got saved, has paid for one of you to go to every event we do every year. He every time sends me direct deposit, a scholarship, full ride for one of you to go to Momentum and Spring Breakaway every year. I calculated it. He's given me close to $10,000 for people to go and do what? Receive the greatest gift that I got for my birthday and that he got for my birthday. So maybe it's a little selfish of me, but I think we're family. Family can do selfish things like that sometimes. And all I'm saying is, would you really prayerfully consider bringing someone? Do everything you got to do. Get them a ride. Call them an Uber. Pick them up. You know, don't like blindfold them and put them in a van or anything, but anything legal you can do, do it. I'm encouraging you because I wanted to encourage me. Because I want to know that at 35, I'm still doing a good job. I want to know that I'm still able to be used by God to watch young people get saved. And I just think it would be really cool if next week, right before our small group kickoff, there's like 50 people that say yes to Jesus, and we just multiply overnight. I don't know. I just think that's awesome. Amen? So I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head and just ask the Lord to, to help you with this. And Father, I'm praying right now, Lord, for every person in this room. God, I thank you for my family. I thank you for my friends. I thank you for the encouragement that they give me on a regular basis. And, Lord, I just ask right now, would you motivate us to motivate each other? Lord, I pray that even throughout this week that they would call each other and text each other and say, hey, did you talk to anyone? Who are you bringing? Uh, what's their name? I want to pray for them too. God, would you help them to, to motivate each other, to take responsibility for this youth ministry on their own shoulders and to say, God, I want you to use me. I want them to receive that gift, God. I want them to be encouraged because they were able to encourage their friend to say yes to you, God. Lord, we put next week into your hands, Lord. We, we give you all the honor and the glory for anything that's going to happen. But, God, we ask that you would use us, Lord. Even now, begin to, to show us the, the people that you want us to talk to. Begin to open doors where there was no doors before. Begin to allow us to have these conversations and these moments to say yes to people. So that they can say yes to you. Lord, we thank you for this ministry. We thank you for this family. But we would be a disappointment if we didn't do everything we could to grow your family. To seek and to save that which is lost. Those children of yours who aren't with you. Lord, help us to bring them back. So Father, we ask you to do all that in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said... Amen. Thank you, guys. God bless you. We love you. Just a reminder, next week we have the kickoff. Bring your friends. We're going to pray salvation. We're going to get them saved. We'll see you Sunday.